I'm Vinny. And I'm Drake. And welcome to Backstage Biddies, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss our love, and sometimes hate, of movie musicals. From Golden Age, to Disney, to Contemporary, we'll recap and review all things movie musical. Join us as we scrutinize Hollywood casting, dive into the history of all your faves, and gossip about controversies of the stage and screen. Press play and sing along, because this this is Backstage Biddies. From the studio, it's Backstage Biddies! The studio, of course, is um, Binny's reading nook. Yeah, my little my little nook. My little gay nook. There's a lot of gay things on the wall. You keep saying that, but it's all behind me, so I don't know. It's all behind you. And then behind me is a bunch of nature scenes. Just nature. The nature. The nature. I wonder if that affects the way we both perceive our time here. Maybe. Should we switch sides of the table sometime? That's going to throw off my whole groove. It could, could be a whole new podcast. A whole new pod. With new perspectives. Smash, smash, smash. Every week. <gasps> That's it. We'll just change positions every week. Nailed it. <laughs> um, welcome to our final installment of the Pride series. Heyo. Thanks I'm for sad s- to see it go. But I love to watch a leave. Ho-ho! <laughs> We've done so much gay shit this month. So much gay shit. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm gay and tired. What's next month? Gay rest? Isn't there a gay wrath month somewhere in here? I, I think that's technically, like, July. Oh, no. I'm too tired to be angry. Exhausted. <laughs> Listen, being this fabulous is... Tough work. It's tough. Takes a lot of effort. It's tough to be this pretty. Yeah. Someone's got to do it. Might as well be us. Amen. Shall we dive into the hint? Yeah, what's the hint? The hint is... Roosevelt. 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 But not just any Roosevelt. We are talking about Eleanor. Yeah, fuck you, FDR. (laughs) Because she didn't... Yeah, because she was, like, maybe a lesbian. Maybe a lesbian, maybe bisexual. She could have been she bi. She was queer of some flavor. There were rumors that, yeah, she had affairs with women. She, she, she loved some ladies. What's the name of the one gay president we had? I thought there was more than one. Well, there's the one who, like, his, his very dear friend moved into the White House with him. And he never married and he never had kids. Well, like, it, well, then there was also, like, Abraham Lincoln who's, like... Oh, well... Bodyguard or whatever, right. like, slept in his bed with him. Yeah. To protect him. For, for safety. Safety. And also for doing it. Just just safety. <laughs> safety first, after all. <laughs> and he still got shot. Like, I just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. But the hint is Roosevelt as an Eleanor, because this is a musical within the musical. Oh, I love musicals within a musical. We're talking about Eleanor the musical, and that is in The, the Prom. Prom. We're discussing the 2020 film The Prom today. Yes, indeedy. Yes, and it actually kicked off as a stage production, right? 
Yes, it was a musical that premiered in Atlanta at the Alliance Theater in 2016, transferred to Broadway in 2018. It is actually yet to play the West End, um, although there were rumors of a transfer at one point. Um, I don't think anything ever became of that, probably because the movie happened, and so the hype went there. It was nominated for a handful of awards, including the Drama Desk for Outstanding Musical. It was also nominated for Best Musical uh, at the Tonys, uh, as well as Best Book, Best Score, Best Lead, both male and female, and Best Direction. It did not, to the best of my knowledge, win any Tony Awards, but it did get a lot of accolades. Um, It was well-received by most of the Broadway community. It was also the first gay kiss at the Macy's Day Parade. In 2018? Yeah. How long have we been including Broadway musicals and this is the first gay kiss to ever be a part of the Macy's Day Parade? Fine. It's really sad to me that we can still have gay firsts in this day and age. I mean, there's... It's very, very depressing. For a lot of different minority groups, there's still a lot of firsts (sighs) going on. Yeah. Woof. (laughs) Um, In 2019 on Broadway, the show actually ended in a gay wedding. Like, like an actual wedding? Like Yeah, like during the bows, one of the ensemble members got married to, the, to her partner. My mouth is agape. Isn't that I don't crazy? know what to say. That I is know. so cool. So this is a, a strong like sense of community kind of show. And yeah, the community that put it together really cared about it. So yeah. having little, little family weddings and stuff. Aww. Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. Ross and I saw this one live, um, as we mentioned, when we did the Hairspray episode. We saw this live in Madison. It was really great, really touching, really moving. It's a good show. The movie, on the other hand. <laughs> the movie uh, I have less positive opinions about. We've got we've got some things to discuss today. And that's Certainly. why we're here. Certainly we do. Did you know that this was based off of a thing that happened in 2010 in Itawaba County? In Indiana? Mm-hmm. I assumed it was based on a true story. Yeah, it's it was a prom controversy that happened there where a student wanted to take girlfriend. They said no. Like, they say it's loosely based, but I went through and I read, like, the actual story. And it's pretty closely based. <laughs> Maybe not the personal stuff, but, like, the the plot of, like, the prom stuff sure. was pretty, pretty on par. They did end up needing to... Pay out the student. Uh, yeah. And also needed to put in place a non-discriminatory... Policy. Yeah. Well, good. In their student handbook. I don't know if you know this, but Mike Pence is from Indiana. Hmm. Yeah. Indiana is a really terrible place to be a gay teenager. Note to self, don't be gay in Indiana. Yeah. I mean, like, get it tattooed on your forearm. Which is lyrics in in the show, for those of you who haven't. (laughs) Yeah, That's where the funny comes in. (laughs) That's where the comedy yeah, comes in. It can be pitch. a rough time. It can be. So this movie came out uh, December 4th, 2020. It had like a special limited theater release on the 4th and then came out for streaming on the 11th. This was a Netflix musical, correct? It was. It was a Netflix musical. Um, it had started filming and then they were very close to being done with filming. And then the pandemic kicked up. And then they weren't able to finish filming. Because I wonder, they were so close to being done filming, I feel like the release was going to be more of a summer release. That would make sense. And not a winter release. Um, But because of the pandemic, they had to push it back and they weren't able to finish filming until like July or August. Well, it happens. Yeah. 
you know? Sometimes pandemics happen. Sometimes global <laughs> health crises just come in and stop you. We, things Happen, we've learned. Happens to the best of us. <laughs> so it was directed by Ryan Murphy, screenplay by Bob Martin and Chad Biguli. If you say so. That's what I say. Cinematography <laughs> by Matthew Libatek. Sure. <laughs> Music by uh, Mark Scholar and David Klotz. Exciting stuff, isn't it? What's most exciting is watching you try to get through all of these last names every time. And did I or did I not practice these <laughs> before we did. got on here? It doesn't matter, kids. It doesn't matter. Some of these people, I'm like, listen. They're never going to listen to us. I'm I'm so sorry, everybody. You can Google this stuff. They're never going to hear this podcast. You know what name I do know? Tell me. And this time I actually do know it. Because I said that like several epi- episodes ago. And then yeah, like, put your money where your mouth is, cowboy. Meryl Streep. Fine. <laughs> She's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's one for Benny's shirt. <laughs> and you've got like what twenty? <laughs> it's like it's like it's six now. I lost track. Because um, you say it not only here but in our actual lives, so I don't. Anyway, so looking at the cast, Meryl Streep is playing Dee Dee Allen. She is a narcissistic two-time Tony Award-winning Broadway actress. Me too. James Corden. Fine. Is playing Barry Glickman. Actually, it's not fine. It's not fine, and we're going to talk about it later. <laughs> Nicole Kidman as Angie Dickinson. She's a chorus girl. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm tired. Keegan Michael Key as Principal Tom Hawkins. Okay. Andrew Ran- Ranalus. <laughs> Andrew Rannells. Andrew Rannells. <laughs> Andrew Rannells as Trent Oliver, Joe Ellen Pelma as Emma Nolan, who I thought she was like the lead in this, but then there's all these other people before her and they have a lot more screen time. I mean, the story is about her, but she's not necessarily like, right. You know? Yeah, I do. Ariana DeBose as Alyssa Green. Yes, bitch. I love her. I love her. Kerry Washington as Mrs. Green. I hate Mrs. Green. Love Kerry Washington. Yeah. Tracy Ullman as Vera Glickman. Which... Oh, I just love Tracy Ullman. Yeah. She was like my favorite part of Into the Woods. Vera Glickman is Barry's mom. Who was invented for for the movie. Oh, I the didn't character, know that. Yeah, the character. There's a whole extra story arc. We'll talk about it later. But yeah, Barry Glickman's mom is not present in the, in the musical. Gotcha. Kevin Chamberlain as Sheldon. He's the original Horton. He is. I love Kevin Chamberlain. He is. He's He's also that one butler from Hey Jesse. Yep. Or whatever the name of that show was. Yep. The one that goes, Hey Jesse. That one. Yeah. Um, He also was in Adam's Family, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He played Fester. That's what I thought. Yeah. Kevin Chamberlain's very talented. Very (laughs) mad that he didn't sing, like, at all. So... There was a rumor that went around right when this casting came out that he had been pegged for Barry Glickman. But when James Corden auditioned, they they wanted to keep Kevin in the cast. So they moved him to this like manager's role and had James Corden do it instead. Isn't Kevin queer? Is that, I, am I think correct he could that? be. I don't know for sure. I don't know that. And then we also have Mary Kay Place as Grandma B. Which is Emma's grandma. I don't know who Mary Kay Place is, but apparently it was like a big deal that she did this movie. Yeah. I think, I think if you like 
you should Google her and then you'd be able to. Maybe. Yeah, I maybe think I'll you'd be able recognize to clock her some from titles. something. Yeah. Um, she like, came out of retirement for this film. Yeah. So it was like a big deal. But yeah, I don't know who she is, but I'm very excited she's here because she does a really good job. She's a, she's a good grandma. <laughs> she is a good grandma. She's our grandma. She is. Absolutely. Grandma B, our grandma. She is. We can always use another grandma. Who couldn't? Right? Grandmas are good. So for awards, there really wasn't much anything of note. The one thing that was super irritating to me, at the Golden Globes, they were nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Best Actor? Yeah. James Corden. I have a big issue with that. We're not the only ones. Oh, excellent. Give me a moment. <laughs> so under the reviews, it was it was literally 50-50 mix. Okay. For, I mean... For people who enjoyed it and people who hated it that tracks. you either were like yeah this is kind of fun and whatever or you were like this was the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen in my entire existence well i can understand that so peter bradshaw of the guardian gave the film four out of five stars writing that it's so goofy that you just have to enjoy it i mean i didn't but fine <laughs> um brian pruitt of usa today gave the film four stars out of four calling it a joyous adaptation. Debatable. Um, and there's like a few other things in here of people enjoying the film. The Hollywood Reporter, David Rooney, noted that there's something to be said for the wide reach of a Netflix feature that champions the rights of LGBTQ teens. Sharing a message that's easy to endorse even if the delivery lands to great. Oh, tends to great. My apologies. I, I, I really agree. So I... David Rooney. David Rooney, I hear you. I hear you. I see you. Um, Because he also said, in regard to one James Corden, it was regarding his depiction of a flamboyant gay man. David Rooney wrote, Perhaps aware of the potential minefield for a straight actor playing a flaming gay stereotype, Corden channels the mannerisms without the joy. You're right. Mary Selassie of Entertainment Weekly Gave the film a D rating. Oof. Calling it narratively sloppy, emotionally false, visually ugly, oh. morally superior, and at least 15 minutes too long. Wow. This <laughs> ma'am went in. There's blood all over the floor because yeah. she murdered everyone. Yeah. Gee, money. For good reason, though. And one other casting thing, they were talking about having Ariana Grande play Alyssa. I mean... And I have written, no, thank you. Not because I don't think vocally she wouldn't kill it. No, I think she would have, but but was it the right choice narratively to have Ariana Grande tell this story? Exactly. Perhaps not. For the same reasons that maybe James Corden shouldn't have been here. Right. Let's dive in some plot, baby. <laughs> it's gonna. I'm gonna. I should put a new accent on it every time. That was like all one word. I should dive some plot, baby. <laughs> well, yeah, lash. Lash. <laughs> We've got two locations kind of going. The main one is in Indiana, but there right. is a chunk in the beginning where we're in New York City. Center of the, the universe. universe. 
And this is set in present day. Right here, right now. This is based off of a news story that happened in 2010. Right. So we actually enter in on a school board meeting where they are discussing the fact that one of the students wants to bring her girlfriend and they're saying that it's not allowed. And they're like, no. So I guess we need to cancel prom because the gays feel like they should have the right. Hey, Kerry Washington, fuck you. Not actually, but like... Not you, Carrie. I love you, Carrie Washington, but... but the, uh, but uh, Miss, Miss Green, Green, fuck you. Eat my ass. Fuck you <laughs> sideways. Yeah. It's the everybody drowns argument. Like, yeah. like if people that I dislike are going to have rights, then, then nobody should have them. Then we should all suffer. Because then what? also all of our kids will get to be pissy and a thing that gets brought up several times by miss green is like we just felt that emma wasn't safe we just felt like she wasn't gonna be okay she wasn't safe because you made her unsafe you crotchety witch yep it starts with you yeah things like that start with you right what a stupid argument yeah so from there we jump to new york where there's a musical happening. And immediately, James Corden is the most offensive thing in the whole world. So we've got Eleanor Eleanor the Musical happening, which, mm-hmm. gotta tell ya, I'd kind of be down to... I mean, as long as the book was good. That's always the issue with new musicals. I mean, yeah. Everybody on Broadway needs a better book writer. And I'm a... T- Except for I... Come From Away. Okay. Everyone be nice to them. They did an, an amazing job. Okay. Everybody else could, could Pasek and Paul were looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> um, because here's the deal. We get Meryl Streep as Dee Dee. So Dee Dee comes out and she's talking about how great and wonderful she is and all this stuff. And then Barry comes out talking about how great and wonderful he is. So everyone is surrounding them and super great. And they get like one review for the musical they were just in that was like awesome and everybody one loved review. it. And they're like, great, cool, here we go. And they go out for drinks and cocktails. And then all of a sudden, they get the New York Times review. And it just sinks them. Literally, they're going to close that night. It's over. Which is not the first time that has this has happened to this pairing. Yeah, Dee Dee Allen and Barry Glickman have a talent for closing shows. Because they are narcissistic. Thoroughly unlikable as people. Hmm. So maybe they were well cast. What do I know? (laughs) I gotta tell you, it's difficult to get through a good chunk of this movie because of James Corden. Yeah, there's there's a certain amount of rage in my body that makes it hard to sit still and just watch this film. I had to pause and go away from this movie several times. It spills over onto Meryl Streep, too. I love her. I think she has done some really phenomenal musical theater work. I think I have loved her in most of her movie musical roles. Yeah. I do not like her here. I don't either. And it's not because the character is supposed to be unlikable because that is what the character is. Right. There's definitely supposed to be like a a growth throughout throughout the film and like a whole arc that you get to follow with these characters here. But it's just really hard to find them likable or to root for them in any way. Even when that corner is turned for their characters. It's still pretty fucking hard. Because the character of Barry, 
mm-hmm. I can see, and again, you saw this live, so I would love your input on his character as just a person. But the problem that I had watching it was it was so distracting having James Corden act like a gay man. Yeah, because he wears a homosexual caricature for two hours and then got nominated for a fucking Golden Globe. It just... Because it's not genuine. It's it's not the, genuine. The mannerisms of flamboyant gay men come from internalized like coping mechanisms and people that they relate to as young people before they understand their sexuality themselves. And he just dons them like a fucking Halloween costume. It's a caricature and it's offensive. It's not something that is easily brushed off. No, and it's not... At all. It's not because like, oh, we don't like... Feminine, flamboyant gay men, I would be an absolute hypocrite to say such a thing. Exactly. Anybody who's met me can certainly attest to that. But the way that he portrays it, it's because it's hollow and meaningless and insincere. And a complete joke. Yeah. It's mockery and it's offensive. And it's really difficult to sit down and watch and pay attention and listen to what's happening. Like, right off the bat, he, like, the very first thing he says is with this, like, ridiculous, like, pansy lisp, and he, like, talks with his hands, and I'm like, oh, 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 my God. And, like, this isn't the first time that he has, like, played a gay man. No, most people, actually, when I tell James Corden, people are like, why do you hate James Corden so much? I'm like, because he capitalized off being everyone's gay best friend. He's straight. He's straight. He's married to a woman. And, like, obviously, we know, just as well as anybody else, that doesn't mean a person's straight. But he has said that he is straight. Right. I just... And it's one thing to tell a queer person's story. It's another thing to go ahead and, like, accept accolades over it. Accolades. And also tell it in such an offensive manner. Yeah. Like, it is literally every single moment of him being on screen is the cringiest thing that I've ever witnessed. Yeah. Genuinely a homophobic portrayal. (laughs) It's a lot. Of a gay man. We're going to circle back to this a couple of times, so I hope that you haven't had your fill yet. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Prep (laughs) your bodies, kids, because it's going to be a lot of it. So, but we get like this fun number. There's a lot of glitter everywhere, sequin everywhere. I do love that we start with with a group number here, like right off the bat. Yes. I think that's really fun. And I, I do really like the color palette that we lean really hard into pretty much this entire movie. And one thing to note about the color palette that they have picked out, first of all, it's very distinct, right? So we recognize it when we see it. Second of all, they only pull it out for like the really heightened musical theatery moments, the very sincere moments. If you watch the film, you'll notice that that color palette is actually exclusively vacant. The blue, green, purple thing that they have going on only shows up when you're doing like the really heightened like oh feelings got really big and too too exuberant and happy to contain so we're doing musical theater now that's when you see those colors is in like really intense moments of joy the really serious moments of like confrontation and conflict you won't see any of those colors they're intentionally missing so I really love the color palette. I think it's very well used and very well handled. And Which is the definition of a color story. Right, right. It's, it's very smart use of color. Um, it's also very glamorous and pretty. I love the sequins in this. Yeah. If you just like mute it. Yeah, it's very fun to look at. Fun to look at off yeah. the top. My gosh. 
So they're in this bar, got this terrible news. Their show's closing because also they're terrible people. <laughs> and then we come across Trent Oliver. I love Andrew Reynolds. I'm so glad we have Broadway talent here. I love his singing voice so much. He's perfect for this role. It's so fun. It's so fun. So he is a Broadway actor, but he's one of those that like comes and goes. He's between gigs. So he's actually a bartender. And he just can't stop talking about Juilliard. Can't. The entire <laughs> movie. He's like, did I mention that I went to Juilliard? Back in my days at Juilliard, we... And he also was on a 90s sitcom. Talk to the Hand? Yep. Is that a fake sitcom? Yes. Okay, I thought so. Yes, it was It was a fake sitcom. But my goodness, did it look 90s. Oh, for sure. Like, it literally was only a couple seconds. <laughs> Good job, design team. You did it. 10 out of 10. Then we get another person that shows up, Angie. Yes, we've also already met Kevin Chamberlain at this point. He's popped yes. in and out of the scene. Yes, he the, the manager role. He has popped in. He's actually the one who read them the New York Times. Right. Review. And again, very, very grateful for the Broadway names and faces here. Exactly. As soon as he read that, though, the interesting thing that happened was everybody was partying with them. Once they found out their show was closing, everybody left. When <laughs> the I say room evaporates I mean, in like a matter of seconds. I literally mean everybody. It's just them and Trent and then Angie. And then Angie. She comes in and Angie is a showgirl that definitely has a drinking problem. Is she a showgirl? Well, she says she's a showgirl. You'll have to prove it, ma'am. She does the, she does like the Fosse hand thing. At one point. Behind yeah. her. And they're so incredibly bad. Oh my God. I am so tired of pretending that Nicole Kidman is like some kind of Broadway starlet who just oh, stumbled into a movie. <laughs> she can't sing. She has no dancing training whatsoever. And it shines super brightly in this movie where like, it's just a glaring flaw that she has no dance training whatsoever. And she's supposed to be this, like, Broadway chorus girl who's been, like, you know, chomping at the bit in the chorus of Chicago for her big night. To get the part of Roxy. Girl, Fosse choreography is so specific and so nuanced and detailed and, like, so specific. Like, you know, you can't miss Fosse choreography when you see it. It's so iconic and you don't, you just fucking don't do it. That's literally how he got an entire category himself. Right. Oh, God, I hate it. All of the Broadway names are, 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 the Hollywood names are so, so painfully miscast. They're so bad. Carry on. Ooh, the fangs are showing, baby. I'm just very mad. <laughs> you want to know why I'm this huffy about it? Because the prom on Broadway closed before they began filming this movie. Are you kidding? So the entire Broadway cast was of the available. prom was available and auditioned. And not a one of them, not in principal, not in ensemble, not a one, not, not, not a single, ensemble? no one, not a single person from the prom on Broadway made it to the prom on Netflix. And what a joke. What a joke. You could have had it all, Netflix. You could have had it all. Holy and instead, crap. you had this. 
Yeah, guys, this is going to be a very angry episode. <laughs> We're rolling right into Rage Month. Are you sure you're not ready? Maybe I am ready for, for Gay Wrath Month. Now, listen, there are glowing things that I really do uh, appreciate and enjoy about this movie. Oh, gosh, and we're going to point them out. We'll talk about them, but... We're going to point them out. We're going to lift them up. But the things up. I am mad about, I am really mad about. Well, and the things to be mad about, a lot of them are right off the top. I know, they, they all happen right at the top, which is good because then I can get the rage out and get to the rest of it, but... Yeah. Anywho... Angie shows up for the third time. Um, (laughs) And she just kind of bellies up to the bar with everybody. They're talking about stuff. Um, And, oh, literally my next note. And we won't talk about a past here. James Corden, stop playing gay. Thanks. Just stop. Just stop. So what they decide to do now is they decide that they need to become more likable. Barry and Dee Dee do. Right. um, To be able to have a show that will last more than one night. Right. Because everybody's like, yeah, you're terrible people. Trent even was like, yeah, Dee Dee, you remember me. You, and you she both has remember no me, right? no idea. They, like, performed several shows together. They've done a lot of work together. And he's like, yeah, you know. She's like, yes. Just dead behind the eyes. No clue. Not even a, not even a hint no. of who he might be. No. So they decide that they need to do celebrity activism. Mm-hmm. But they, so they start shooting out ideas like world hunger, homelessness, and all of these things. And they're like, oh, this is all too big. This is going to take too much time and money. Wow. We need to find something that's smaller that we can get really jazzy about for a hot minute, pump up the publicity. And be done. And then be done. Which is not unheard of. No, it's absolutely, there are whole PR departments dedicated to doing exactly that. Exactly. They find Emma's prom situation. It's trending on Twitter. Right. Angie's the one who finds it and is like, what about this? This kid's gay and just wants to take a girlfriend to prom and now they've canceled prom. What about that? Why don't we tackle that? They're like, That'll work. So they're like, well, how the hell are we going to get to Indiana? How are all of these things? And And Trent, Trent has just been hired for a touring production of Godspell. That's going to travel right through Indiana. Also, Guantanamo Bay? Yep. I just... I mean, that's camp. I think it was a non-equity... It is. It's a non-equity tour of Godspell. Which no one needs a tour of Godspell, let alone a non-equity. please. No, thank you. I wouldn't mind a a new movie rendition of Godspell, though. That could be fun. Put it out there. Put it out there. Yeah. So they decide Emma is their cause. Right. Which is... Gross. Yeah. They're singing a song, obviously, about we're going to do these things and we're going to be great and we're going to help them and we're fantastic and we're we're from Broadway and we're from New York and fuck your hick town in Indiana. The gays are coming. The Broadway actors are coming. Mm-hmm. Prep your bodies, kids, where cousins date each other and your teeth are fucked sideways. Not the exact lyrics, but genuinely the sentiment that they happens. They do say cousin loving at some point. They do. They do. <laughs> One of the lines that James Corden sings is, being gay isn't a crime. And like, mm. they're going to show that being gay isn't a crime. Uh, but then I said after that, but you acting like a gay man for money is. It is. So they're talking about also how they might need an Eleanor figure. Someone to come shake things up. Right. Like in the in the Twitter article or whatever. Yes. And of course... That piques Dee Dee's interest because she was just playing Eleanor. Whom she loves and admires so dearly. Exactly. Except she she doesn't. She just 
it was a line for an interview. Like, it's not it, it really how she feels. No. So she's like, oh, that must be a sign from the universe. They said, Eleanor, I was just playing Eleanor. And it's all about me. We're doing it. So the song is Changing Lives that they sing. And I literally have in here, Changing Lives feels like a hate crime. Just the whole number. I agree. And a thing that we've Drake has said several times on the pod is, like, people taking theater, Broadway people taking themselves... Just a skosh too seriously. Or like thinking they're the end all be all, the tops, they're everything. Right. That happens several times in this movie. I mean, the song Changing Lives really kind of encapsulates my opinion on that. That like, we tell stories and again, sometimes that does make a difference and sometimes it doesn't. But like, there's a whole real world that turns outside of New York City. And sometimes it's in Indiana and real life is happening to gay teenagers. And no musical about Eleanor Roosevelt is going to change that child's material life, you know? Mm-hmm. But if we try really, really hard, maybe the people who were in it just might. We'll find out. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Speaking of the school, we now leave New York and we're in Indiana. Uh, we enter in on Emma. She opens her locker and there are two bears, uh, like stuffed animals, scissoring. Hung in her locker. With a slur. Really rough stuff. Yeah. But, like, absolutely, it's happened to me. Not that exact thing, but happened to Ross. Yeah. Happens to a lot of us. These are not things that are gone. No, it's not a hyperbolic, insulated incident. Nope. Okay. These are things that happen. This was done by a few of the cheerleaders because they're pissed at Emma specifically because it's her fault promise canceled. Right. Obviously, it isn't. It's the adults in the room. Also, some of the kids... Yeah. The kids are a contributing factor. They are. One of the cheerleaders passing the other way, though, like, sticks up for Emma and is like, guys, stop being such a dick, and, like, walks past and then kind of, like, turns back and, like, looks at Emma in a way. In a flirty, romantic way. Because <laughs> mm. up until now, we have no idea who Emma's asked to prom. No. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. So... The principal shows up and he lets Emma know, hey, I called the state attorney in regard to this issue. They believe it's a civil rights issue. He's like, this is this is going to be a lot, but I think it's important. Right. And the principal does such a good job of like taking care of his students, but making sure like policy wise, taking care of his students, but also making sure that they're not being overwhelmed emotionally by like big adult world problems. Because this is a lot. He's a really good principal in that in that respect. And then, so you see the juxtaposition between her real-world problem of, like, a civil rights issue mm-hmm. to our Broadway actors are on a bus traveling to Indiana. Right, to come in and, like, sensationalize some gay teenager's life. And they are like, oh, my God, my life is just so hard and it's awful. We'll have to write a song about it. and Why can't I win a third Tony? And Well, I just want to win one Tony. and Shut up. All of that kind of stuff. So then we jump from there to the PTA meeting. It's mm-hmm. kind of like this back forth thing that happens until the two entities meet. Yes. So at the PTA meeting, the principal informs them, hey, the state attorney says that an inclusive prom is appropriate and needs to be the thing that's done because that is what represents America and the ideals of America. Mm -hmm. 
the parents in this PTA meeting state out loud, this isn't America, this is Indiana. American exceptionalism at its best. At its finest. Like, ladies and gentlemen, you are not the exception to the rule. Gay people get to live here too. Exactly. There's a mom that he's like, no. The principal was like, no, none of that. You get your voice. We get our voice. That's the way this thing works. Right. And so he like walks up to one of the moms that stands up and she's like, I don't want my son to be forced to go to a homosexual prom. And it's one of those exhausting things that it's, this is actual arguments that we have all of the time. All the time. It's not about it being a gay prom where everybody needs to be gay and able to go. No, This is literally just one person wants to take the other person they're dating. Your child can do whatever, whatever they want to do so long as it's not harming themselves or others. Amen. I'm so, so grateful that I was able to take my boyfriend at the time to prom. Yeah. Without any like huss and fuss. It was like not a big deal. And thank God. And truly for a very, and we did grow up in a small town. Right. I was the, small. I was the only out student in our graduating class of like 260 something. Yeah. So like, yeah, small hick town, lots of farmers, lots of agricultural families, people who don't have a whole lot of exposure to like a queer community. So like we've been there, we've lived it. And I'm so, so grateful for that every day. Like it could have been so much scarier and so much worse. And then they arrive. So this PTA meeting was a mess anyway. And then... But they arrive just as the principal is about to make like a really good point. A really good like poignant point that might just like shift the tides. Yeah. And... A really grounded like human argument. Based in logic and reasoning. The Broadway actors come busting through the doors and they are shaming every single person that comes in there. It's kind of that whole thing of like both of them are screaming, telling each other how horrible they are. Yeah. But it's like if you just 86 all of that and get down to the the root. Right. If you guys could just shut up and actually like talk to each other about what the problem is and not about how you feel about the problem. And see the humanity in people. Right. So they're shouting at everybody. Other people are shouting back at them. Barry says that he is as gay as a bucket of wigs. I just, I just want to hit him. Me too. Ugh. I, and they're, (laughs) Trent comes in and he's like, because they're like, who are you people? And he's like, we're the liberals from Broadway. (laughs) (laughs) And that to me read as a joke and read as camp. Absolutely. Because he read it, he did it correctly. Right. Because the, the, Audience, the intended audience for this film, like this story, is conservative people. Which is why the liberal liberal people from Broadway, quote-unquote, are not entirely redeemable human beings. That they do indeed do damage and they play a part and they're not meant to be liked. Like, they're meant to be, the story is meant to be accessible to conservative people in communities like Indiana. Yeah. So playing into the camp of that and knowing that, as one of those, like, four principal Broadway people that you're playing a caricature of a hopeful liberal. You have to lean into the comedy of that and be careful that you don't, like, take them too seriously or humanize them too far. And I I think, unfortunately, that uh, Meryl Streep does that. She, uh, she just takes it way too seriously because a lot of the lines are meant to be, like, 
quippy, funny one-liners, and they just don't read as that. They're not, they don't land as punchlines. They're not read as punchlines. They come across as like very sincere and genuine, which sounds insane. Like some of the opinions and things that she says out loud make her seem like a genuinely terrible person or like, I don't know. They just, it's meant to be satire, but satire only works when the, the person or the group that you're making fun of understands they're being made fun of and i think we missed that boat here and there because like one of the lines that she says is i read three-fourths of a news article and came immediately right like that is absolutely a punchline but it doesn't read that way in the movie it just it just doesn't land in a way that is light or comical or heaven forbid satirical yeah so i that's my issue I love Meryl Streep. I love Meryl Streep. I love her so much. This role was not for her. Because then we get a number. Dee Dee comes in and sings a number that it's, what, what's it called? It's not about me. It's supposed to, it's this number that is her literally being like, this, none of this is about me. It's about Emma. And she like, can't find Emma. She like points out another child that she thinks is Emma, but isn't. Clueless. And And like, to me, it's it's like, it's so close. It's so it's close so to close. being funny. The writing is all there. The character is just a little too serious. And, because there, there are a lot of jokes. If you sit back and really, like, if you're sitting and analyzing this. Yeah, coming from someone who has seen the live show and has also seen the movie, like, relatively close to each other now, the writing is there and there are lots of jokes. It's musical comedy, but in this format, oh... It just doesn't sit the same. Yeah. So everybody leaves the gym. The principal actually loves Dee Dee. Yeah, it's like secretly a big musical theater fan. Big Broadway fan. Big Dee Dee fan specifically. Saw her in her first show that she won a Tony for and all of this different stuff. Reminds me of Mr. Taylor, our principal from our alumni high school. Yep. He's a huge Broadway fan. Big musical theater fan. Had, like, season tickets to the Overture. We would gab every time, like, if we were near each other during an intermission or something at a show, we'd talk about everything he'd just seen and what he thinks would fit well at the high school. And big fan. Huge fan of administrators that support arts programming. Yeah. Big fan of that. (laughs) So Tom goes and talks to her um, and is like, hey, we really do need you to back off because I think that you're going to make this worse. You kind of already did yeah, just you that did PTA just now. meeting. He's trying to protect his student. Right. Which, brava. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of educators and administrators that are willing to do that and want to do that. There are some that do not. I like to think that the number of uh, teachers and administrative staff that will do it heavily outweigh the ones who don't but god sometimes that that one bad egg will absolutely scream the loudest and it is a real challenge and with everything else too with educators as far as things like funding and this that yeah. and the other thing there's a there's a lot of stuff it can be tricky makes some of the really great people not want to stay around yeah so being a teacher is really hard and i commend anybody who does it Longer than two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So Tom asks Dee Dee to back off and she's like, I'm not going to do that. You won't catch me. I'm going to do everything. 
Hacha. Okay, thanks, Dee Dee. Exhausting. Almost all of the adults in this movie is exhausting. They're all just... so tiresome. Yeah. So we see Emma. She heads under the bleachers by some sports ball arena. Some sports ball. To see... Her girlfriend, Alyssa Green. Alyssa Green. And if you were paying attention to last names, Alyssa's mom is Miss Green. The really loud, angry PTA parent. The, the like, president of the PTA who literally is the one who got everything to get shut down. Yeah. The one Kerry Washington is playing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Ariana DeBose. And it's Ariana DeBose. Also, real quick shout out now that we have these two characters together. Both of these women are queer in real life. And I love that. And I have to tell you, watching them play these characters, it you can tell. You absolutely can tell. There isn't a straight actor alive, I don't care how fucking good you are, who can bring genuine queer experience to a queer role. It doesn't happen. It can't happen. No. They're just different perspectives, and that's not a knock against either one. They're just different ways that people experience the world. Queer people experience the world differently than cis straight people. It's just a fact. It's not a judgment. It's not a dig. It's just the way the world is right now. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it is the way it is. And having these two play these parts was really beautiful and touching. And something as a queer woman myself, getting to see two queer women not be sexualized yeah, was the coolest thing of my whole... I'm getting glossy. Coolest thing of my whole life because that is something that always happens. Yeah. They're always like something for a man to ogle. Right. They're a fetish. They're a punchline. They're a... And it's, it's not They're a plot cute. point. They die at the end. Like the lesbian dies is is an actual trope in film. And if you're ever curious, feel free to Google it. You'll find a mile long list of movies with like LGBT characters where you're like, oh my God, wow, look, representation. Take a hard look. They all die. And this, these two characters are beautiful and wonderful. And the fact that one of them is also not white. It's really great. She is a woman of color. It's a wonderful, wonderful story to be told. And I'm so, so glad they told it. With some measure of genuine sincerity. Yeah. It just means the world. And this next song that they sing together. Oh, just... I just want to dance with you. Oh my God. <sighs> if Even if you don't watch this film, listen to this song. Listen to the whole cast recording. It's all so good. This song is one of those things that really encompasses everything that we were saying in regard to... Take your feelings out of it. Just look at what the situation actually is for what it is. Yeah, they're just kids. They just want to. They literally go to are prom like, I and don't dance with each other. They're like, I don't want to make it this big thing where you know we're fighting all the time and these adults are yelling about our existence. And they're like, I just want to go to prom and I want to dance with you. All they're asking is the room to be allowed to be emotionally intimate with someone that they are interested in in the same way that every other cishet student is. Yep. It's such a small ask and the world implodes every time. 
and it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful little number it between is. the I two love of this them. Song. And it really like all of the adult bullshit that happens before disappears. Just fades into the background because this uh-huh. moment is so poignant and so wonderful. Played by queer actors. Makes a difference. It's important. From there, <laughs> we land at the hotel that the actors are staying at. They all shuffle off the bus. And Didi is like, oh, is my suite ready? And the guy at the front desk is like, we don't have suites. And she like pulls a Tony out of her purse and sets it on the desk and just looks at him. <laughs> and she's like, what about now? And he's like no and she pulls her second, second tony, tony out of her bag and drops it on the desk she's like what about now and he's like we don't have sweets here he's like we don't have sweets and she's like well can i at least get a room next to the spa and he's like we don't have there's a spa. no spa because like ever he and he says all of the rooms are the same yeah so i can't there's not even one that's like a little spiffier than the next nah and then barry enters and he didn't hear any of this conversation because he just comes in and he's like, he asks for a cabin. He's like, do you have a cabin? And the guy's like, no. no. And he, pulls out, he pulls out a drama desk award and like puts it down. And, and Dee's like, what is that? And she's like, you know, you know what, what that this is. is. Oh my god. It is just the funniest thing. And he's like, uh. So they, you know, get squared away. And again, people work their whole lives to win those awards. And like, nobody else knows what the fuck they are. No, but you know what's funny is that Trent enters and the guy working the front desk is like, Hey! It's that guy from that show! You're, you're that guy from that show! Oh my god. The and they're, to the hand. Oh my god. And Dee Dee and Barry are both like, what the fuck? Like, what do you mean you know him and you don't know us? Oh my God, so offended. He's like, those reruns play like every night. (laughs) It just, it's very funny. Oh my God, it's so funny. They're all discussing what they're going to do next. Because at one point, Trent was like, Stephen Sondheim really enjoyed my rendition. Or Andrew, was it Sondheim? No, it's Sondheim. It is? Okay. Um, he enjoyed my portrayal of Sweeney Todd, so I'll get him to write us a, a ditty that we can sing. Right. Uh, and turns out he was wrong in actually Sondheim. Really hated it. Hated it and kind of hates him. So he's like, Oops. so listen, guys, I wrote my own little number. <laughs> and they're all like, hey, They're like, okay, cool. Trent, and then they read it and they're like, this, this is, is garbage. <laughs> this is trash. This is trash. Then the manager comes out. The, their manager. Kevin Chamberlain. Kevin Chamberlain. Uh, comes out and is like, hey, guys, I got you a gig. It's... You have a venue. In arena. Guaranteed 2,500 people. And they're like, just gagged about it. They're so excited. So jazzed about it. And they're like, oh my god, where is it at? Guys, it is a monster truck rally. Yeah. And what they did was they decided to cancel your favorite part of a monster the truck. The big rail. car who eats the little cars. Um, for those of you who don't know, Drake is actually a really big fan. I fucking love like demo derbies and monster trucks. You're a Midwest gay. I, I mean, come am. on. I'm a NASCAR. Oh, come on. I love it when cars make left turns. <laughs> oh, I just love really, it. Really, really <laughs> loud cars. Oh, I love it. Um, so they canceled that fun portion of the evening where... Now listen, I'm very gay and I also would have been upset. <laughs> exactly. Uh, especially for this number 
Yeah, it was bad. Which it's is bad. pretty in the musical it's a it's a full number. Okay. They get all the way to the end and like they pull out like a bunch of like props from Godspell. Excellent. <laughs> it's really bad. Because in the Trent, movie they kind of cut it short. Yeah, but. they do. Because Trent, every single time Trent does anything, he manages to pull um the other actors from Godspell yeah. into his shenanigans. Yeah. And at one point he's like, Yeah, so like our performance uh got of Godspell got canceled and this other thing that we had to do got canceled, which is why we're still here in town. The performance at Guantanamo Bay yeah. got pulled, so so I guess we'll stay in Indiana. Very convenient. Very convenient. They sing this number. And Trent does wear that really snazzy American flag jacket. Yeah. I do kind of dig the jacket. Uh, but that's it. The number is pretty everyone, bad. And <laughs> then everyone else that comes up is each wearing a color of the rainbow. Yeah. And they're singing a song about intolerance and how we should just accept everybody. Part of this is because he was in Book of Mormon. But also a little part of it has that same vibe of like... Oh, very. But again, it's because it's satire, right? And all of Book of Mormon is satirical. Exactly. And he does a really good job at making sure that that's the way that reads. Dear Sir has done this before. You know who really succeeds in this movie pretty much exclusively? The Broadway people. Well, so... Do better, Hollywood. (laughs) So he's doing his number of like... You know, I was in Juilliard and we learned about acceptance and you should accept us too. And everyone in the audience is like, what in the fuck are we watching? Terrible. Zero uh, out of ten. And then Dee Dee is about to like go step up and like join in. And then it cuts to them just being... Deflated back at the hotel. Like in the hotel lobby, just how dare you? And Dee Dee is like clutching Barry like he's a child. Mm-hmm. How dare you do that to us? And they're all upset and blah, blah, blah. You made fools of us. We trusted you. Guys, tone it down. (laughs) Yeah, calm down. Um, It was one performance one time. I promise you'll be okay. Yeah. So Tom and Emma actually show up at the hotel and they're like, guys, guess what? Prom's back on. We did it. We did the thing. We did the thing. The state made them. Um, And they were like, yay, we did the thing. And Tom was like, well, you didn't. Like, the principal was like, N- it wasn't you. didn't, you. though. And then Emma's like, well, maybe. She's such an optimist. I mean, she's Bless 17. She's trying. So prom is back on. Barry is super jazzed for her and is like, guess what? I'm going to dress you. Let's go to Saks. And they're like, there's... There's not a Saks. This is Indiana. And she's like, there's a Kmart. Okay. And my note is like, Kmart. How vintage. They don't even exist anymore. No. She gone. Also, it's funny to me that she says Kmart, and then later we see a mall. Yeah. That is huge. Quick update, malls are also dead. You couldn't have just been like, we can go to the mall. I think she does say there's a mall. At some point, but her first go is Kmart. That's true. Listen. I don't know why you would go to Kmart before you went to the mall. Fine. It's not very gay of you, but whatever. (laughs) And then she talks about wanting to wear like a certain suit and stuff like that. She doesn't. She didn't say she didn't want to wear a dress, but, like, her she first pick was a suit. That right. was a thing off the top of her noggin. I have such an issue with that. Like, when it comes to formal wear, let people wear what they want. There are so many options to choose from, and they're yeah. all so glamorous and fun. Like, just let people wear what they want. I've worn so many different things to different types of formal events. Same. Oh. I mean, just, like, get over it, you know? Yeah. So then everybody is super jazzed. 
they kind of all disperse and exit. Dee Dee talks to Tom and Tom is like, I'm really excited for Emma because she's had a rough go of it. And Dee Dee's like, yeah, yeah, you know, da, 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 whatever. Cause she just thinks that this is what he's talking about. He's like, no, no, like Emma's coming out was bad. Right. Her parents like tossed her out on her ass. Disowned her. She was 16 said, we can't love you anymore. Yeah. And left her for the street. I mean, I can't imagine. Yeah. So then Dee's like, oh, and starts to kind of like, this is a real child's life that has tragedy. Right. This She's is a real actually person. sad. Then we shift to promposals are happening. Yes. And everyone is super jazz. There's a lot of cute dance numbers. I love You Happened. I think it's such a cute number. And like so reflective of like teenage love. Like that's just what we're all here to do. Yeah. I think it's cute. I love it. Yeah. And it's got some really bitchin' dancing. Very much so. This is very much a dance musical. Just like backflips, flip-flops one right after the other. I agree. Number 17. Chicago. Not you, them. Oh. (laughs) uh, I thought that was a pop quiz. (laughs) Yeah. One of your favorite musicals of all time. I'm going to give you a pop quiz. You'll never guess. (laughs) You'll never guess. We were also in... Anyway, promposals are happening. Dancing is happening. We also see Alyssa um, talking to Emma and we obviously realize she's not out. She also kind of like shies away from any sort of physical touching. Yeah. Like even just like a hand on a knee. Right. Kind of deal. This at this exact moment here now on the podcast, um, we will actually no longer be discussing movie musicals. We are actually only an Ariana DeBose fan cast. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for another wonderful day where we talk about how much we fucking love Ariana DeBose. She is brilliant. Her vocals. Out of I this world. Just, they're so good. I just want to slam my face into the desk. I mean, they cleared my skin and raised my... Credit? Raised my credit score. She's beautiful. She's talented. She's so smart. She hosted SNL. She's like our age. Yeah. I think she's like 31 right now. We stan. Yeah, I looked it she's up. She's incredible. Hot. <laughs> I'm glad she's here. Very glad she's here. Her and Emma kind of have an understanding that they're going to go to prom together. She is going to come out. It's going to be a gay old time. And she's like, I promise you that this is the thing that's going to happen. And then she leaves. And then we see that the other cheerleaders were watching. And right. They overheard. And saw her. At this point, Tom and Dee Dee have gone to Applebee's, or as Dee Dee likes to call it... The Apples and Bees. Oh, yes. Take me to the Apples and Bees. Tell me of this Apples and Bees. So they are on a date, if we're going to be honest about it. That's what it is. Neither of them are calling it that. They both drop that's like... that's what it is. This is what I do, and this is what I enjoy, and I'm single. Both of them do that. Tom is the first one to do it, by the way. Right. I think he kind of does it by accident, like maybe out of habit. Yeah. His seems a lot less intentional. But then when Dee Dee does it, she's like, she says it like clearly kind of poking fun at him. Yeah. yeah. So. And we also find out in this moment that Dee Dee is from a small town herself. Like Right. She, she wasn't born in New York. She made her way there. And she actually said a lot of what she does is a character that she put on. Right. In order to get to where she is miss mm-hmm. green shows up and is like hey Dee, Dee stop she's so frigid stop what you're doing oh I we hate, hate you 
And Didi's like, no. <laughs> Thanks. Tom sings a number. Yeah, he sings We Look to You, which is officially on my cabaret list. I want to sing this song so bad. I want to sing it to, ideally, I would love to sing it, like, for an educator that I look up to, maybe at, like, a retirement party or something like that, or, like, at an anniversary or something. It just, I think it's such a meaningful song. Or maybe an alumni show. Maybe an alumni show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really, really glad that Keegan-Michael Key is getting into musical theater. I he thought, sounded wonderful. I know, he does. He has, he has a good singing voice. He was in, um, what's the, the Christmas one on Netflix? Jingle Jangle? Yes. Or is it Just just Jangle? I think it's Jingle Jangle. He was in that. He did a good job. Yep. He was in Schmigadoon. Oh, I didn't is, know he was in that. Oh my God, he's like one of the main characters in Schmigadoon. Opposite Cecily Strong from SNL. Ooh. Oh, he was also on SNL for a bit. Yes. Yeah. I think he does a great job. I'm really, really glad he's here. I hope we get to see more from him uh, in the near future because I am really enjoying his vibe as far as like musical comedy goes. Now we meet Emma's grandma. Love her. Grandma B. She is beautiful and wonderful. And she also points out, because she's the one who took Emma in after her parents kicked her out. Mm -hmm. And she's having a conversation with Barry because they're about to go shopping for prom. Right. Because prom is that night. So he's talking with grandma and grandma's like, it's really hard to watch your own daughter throw out her daughter because she's like I'm the one who raised her and she's willing to do this to her kid so she kind of like takes that as like a I messed up yeah but she is there to take care of her granddaughter yeah and she wants her to have a fun time at prom she's a badass grandma she's awesome we also like slightly hear about Barry's background a little bit we get more about his coming out story and he like he left home before his parents could kick him out because they didn't love him and I I just hate that he's the one telling this story. Yeah. Every time we get more from Barry Glickman, I'm like, oh, what a cool addition to this story. What a, what a good progressive way to expand this narrative for a movie. I just hate that he's the one doing it. And the character would have been so endearing. It would have been so so meaningful and important. And I, (sighs) because again, it would be, it would be an older queer person teaching and reaching out to a younger generation. And we talked about this when we did Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, that some things are allowed to be victories of another era. Yep. This is of this era, and it's just no longer acceptable. You have to let queer people tell their own stories. You have to let people of color tell their own stories. You have to let trans people tell their own stories. There's no amount of cishet experience that you can bring to it that will help you understand, that will make you understand at the same level the queer experience, the black experience. You just can't. It's so disappointing. Yeah. Especially coming from like Ryan Murphy, who is a gay director. I just, what a, what a, what an unforgivable fuck up. Sorry, I'm I'm done being so furious about it, but like it is absolutely unforgivable. We also find out in this moment that Emma and Alyssa have been dating for a year and a half. It's been a minute. In high school years, that's a that's long a time. Yeah. That's a long time. And for some full-fledged adult, that's a, that can be a long time. It's, it's I mean, a long relationship. It is. So she's finally like, yay, she's going to come out. Because she says, I've never been to her house. She's not out yet. She has issues with her parents mm-hmm. about coming out. People are getting ready. And we see a little bit of that. You know how I can tell that no one from the Midwest was actually involved in this movie? 
the scene of kids going to prom includes several limos parked outside their house in a row. And not a single pickup truck. (laughs) And not a limo that everybody rented together. Guys, come on now. Multiple limos, please. And none of them is a Hummer? Nope. Are you from the Midwest? Clearly you are not. Aesthetically, I understand the decision, but I was like, oop. Someone missed the mark on this one. This is not a Midwest prom. (laughs) But did you see how large those homes were? That's true. Holy jazz. That's true. Yeah. Alyssa's mom is being very weird. Very passive aggressive. Very Very sneaky. Very like, oh, I did this for you. You are going to have a wonderful night. Yeah. Because of me. But she sings it. I didn't know Carrie Washington could sing. And she sings. She sings pretty good. Miss Man sings. I would like to see more from her singing. Yeah. That would be very exciting. But also, a quick note. Dear parents, do not live through your children like that. Nope. Your children's childhood, your children's lives are not for you to like reminisce and relive. No. and Pack that up. And that's a thing that we find out later too with Alyssa, that her mom pushes her very hard in every single aspect of everything and wants her to be perfect. And it's because that's what her mom wants. And her mom thinks that that's what's going to be best for her. But you know it's best actually... for your children? What's always best for your children is for them to just be happy. College is important and all that happy jazz, but like, just let your kids be happy. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So then we get prom. And... <laughs> Uh, they they do hella dancing. They do so much amazing dancing. Come through ensemble. Holy choreography. The Broadway show is very much like that too. The ensemble just like pounds the boards the entire show. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Then Emma gets out of her truck. All of the Broadway adults are there taking pictures. They're so happy for her. They're so excited. Mm-hmm. She's in like a dress and heels and she looks very pretty. This wouldn't have been her preference. But it's still very glamorous and But it's glamorous exciting. and she does like still enjoy it. It's just right. not what her style is. Right. So she's like, okay, Barry, can you please walk me in? I'm, I'm a still, little scared. I'm still nervous. And then, so they start walking in. Dee Dee looks around and kind of is like, why is the parking lot empty? Mm-hmm. They walk into the gym. And the gym is empty. Completely empty, it dark, has, quiet. It has streamers thrown about, a couple balloons, one of those small party lights. Yeah, and Tom is already on the phone, and, sitting in a chair in the middle of the empty room. And there is a sign in the back of the gym that says, Emma's Inclusive Prom. Alyssa then also shows up at prom, but it's the other prom. We find out that there's a secondary one. Yeah, they've planned a whole second prom. They had to... Like, privately. They had to hold an inclusive prom, but they were allowed to hold a second one. And even though Alyssa was on prom committee, her friends and everyone made sure that she didn't find out that there was going to be two locations. Right. And when she shows up, she gets pissed at her mom. She gets pissed at her friends. And she's like, I can't believe that you guys did this and you did this to her. But also, Alyssa doesn't leave. No, in fact, like Alyssa calls Emma. And Emma is sobbing and she's like, where are you? I I need you. And she's like, Emma, I can't. I can't leave. My mom is here. To instill that kind of fear in your child, that they're that worried about disappointing you or upsetting you just about over like genuinely being themselves or heaven forbid being happy. That's, that's atrocious. That's yeah, vicious animosity that you should never, ever show your child. 
the Broadway adults get upset and are like, we're going to fight this and we're going to this and we're going to that. And I was like, no, I'm done. Oh my God. I'm going home. And she's such a good actress. And she's sobbing. Oh, she's so good. And it's because she can connect with it too. Yeah. That's what happens when you let queer people tell queer stories. I'm not going to harp on it this time, but just no. <laughs> but it's, it's genuinely heartbreaking. It's so sad. And here Emma sings um, a reprise of Tonight Belongs to Us, but she sings it kind of like introspectively to herself. And it's so emotionally effective. In the musical, the act one closer is also a reprise of Tonight Belongs to Us, but it's from the ensemble and they kind of like aggressively like charge downstage with choreography and they sing Tonight Belongs to Us. And it's a lot more, a lot more villainous and a lot more like outwardly aggressive and intimidating. And I think it, I think the change reads well for both mediums. Like, I think that the clear indication of, like, the students were also the villain and still a part of the problem on yep. stage makes sense. And it really kind of closes Act 1 with a sense of seriousness. And I think here, um, the reprise more so underlines kind of the emotional intention of the piece. It also still makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and the fact that we don't have an intermission here, I think, makes this choice a lot more effective. After that heart-wrenching scene of Emma in the gym, we then get Mrs. Green standing outside of the school making a statement to a bunch of reporters about how she felt that the two proms were necessary because of Emma's safety. She's so full of shit. I literally have that she is lying through her bitch-ass teeth because that's exactly what she does. You're just a bigot. Own it. Why are you afraid to tell people that you hate other people? Because that's what you're doing. Well, girl, own up to it. Then, (laughs) Then we go to Emma's house. Angie has actually been there for Emma this entire time. Everyone else kind of dissipated. It definitely seems like, because the prom probably happened over the weekend, as proms tend to do. Right. And this is probably like the next week. So Mm -hmm. she's probably been in bed for a few days, just like 86ing people. And I don't blame her for that. Then everybody shows up, meaning all the Broadway actors show up. They decide, Emma, you need to be the face of this. It can't be us. Because they're talking about, like, getting on television. They're trying to press Dee Dee to call her ex-husband, who... Has a really popular talk show. Right. Um, And she's like, no, I'm not doing it because he's going to want the Hampton House. And I fought like hell to keep that. And I don't want to give that up. I'm like, okay, you're not going to give up a house because of... Fine. It's not fine, but fine. It's not, but moving on. Emma's like, I don't want to do this. I want to be done. I'm not about this. And then... Angie kind of kicks everybody out and just, like, talks to Emma. During this time, we also get Dee Dee talking about her ex-husband. So Dee Dee and Barry are doing, like, a rom-com Friday that they Mm -hmm. say is their, like, ritual. Um, And she talks about kind of how he, he was abusive. He was, he cheated on her a lot, used her for her money, and constantly said that he would never do these things again, because he hadn't really come up in his comedy career yet. But when they got married, they didn't sign a prenup. They were married for 15 years. And then once he got his show, they got divorced. And then they discuss Barry's parents and his coming out again. 
Um, one of the things that they do talk about there is that Barry had said earlier that he left before his parents could kick him out. But part of that was because they said that they were going to send him somewhere that was going to change him. Which they were going to send him to conversion camp. That's exactly what it was. And the thing too is, is that those aren't things that are long gone. No, very much alive in America, particularly in Indiana. Mike Pence is a big fan. He has said as much. Yeah. Something that we have talked a lot about during this Pride series is that there are things that used to happen that still do happen, and it's important to not bury those things. Yeah. It's important to keep paying attention to that stuff. We should continue talking about them. We should also be more careful about who talks about them, and... I just... So this this rom-com scene was written for the movie. Yep. Because they do expand... Barry's storyline and and again I think that's really great I just what gives James Corden the right to tell a story about how painful it is to come out yeah sometimes I think we get the misconception that coming out these days is like really easy and cute and fun and it's always like like a YouTube video with a cake and it's not that it can be that, and I think that's great, and I'm so, so glad that we're having conversations about it. And we're, we're more of that. That we're building a social script about how to have that conversation in a kind way so that people know what to say and how to say it. But that's overwhelmingly not what coming out looks like. It can be violent. It can be dangerous. It can be heartbreaking. It can be really, really hard. Sometimes you lose people you really care about. They can't be welcome in your life anymore because they mean you harm, whether they know it or not. Yep. That's what coming out is. And what on earth gives James Corden the right to be the one to tell that story? I absolutely agree in telling these stories in whatever way we can. And we, we qualified Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, as a victory of another time. And I don't disagree with that, but it's not that time anymore. No. It's not. We can do better. We have, in fact, done better before. And we should have done better now. So from there, we go back to Emma's house and we see that Angie is giving a pep talk to Emma. And Emma wants to do something. She does. She just is like, I don't know that I want to go on a TV show in front of like 15, 16 million people. Right. That sounds terrifying. Right. So then we get a really fun number that's very reminiscent of Chicago. Give it some zazz. Give it some zazz. I love this number. It's a Fosse inspired number. Absolutely. Did anyone tell Nicole Kidman that? Anybody? A choreographer? Anybody? A PA? Anybody? Oh, she's so woefully terrible at this. I love Give It Some Zazz. I hate listening to Nicole Kidman sing. I always have. She ruins every musical role she's in for me when she sings. I think she's a very, very talented actress with maybe a passion for musical theater. And I love that for her. But if you can't sing and you love musical theater, you should give your money to somebody else who is good at musical theater. (laughs) The lack of Fosse is so apparent. Emma dances like full circles around her this entire number, which is ridiculous because Angie is meant to be like a seasoned chorus girl in Chicago on Broadway. Guys. Yeah. Oh, it's so terrible. There's also a weird age disparity here. I think it's weird that Angie is as old as she is, despite the fact that she's like a quote-unquote Broadway chorus girl, and also that she connects with Emma so deeply. Ages, but a number, of course, especially when you're talking about, like, supporting another human person. But I just found it odd. Before, when they were in the hotel room, 
Barry was like, Tom so totally likes you. You should go apologize and talk to him. Wear this yellow cape and little booties. I'm obsessed with this yellow purple outfit. I love it's a beautiful color oh my combination. God, it's Very so striking. pretty. Dee Dee shows up at the high school and Tom is really not having any of her shit, which I can't say that I blame him. Me either. And she's like, no, I thought I did the thing. And he's like, you haven't done anything that's selfless. No, you've been here in service of yourself the entire time. And And when someone tried to say something to you and be like, hey, I think you're going to do some damage. You like scoffed at me. And said, no, screw you. And then turned out very poorly for this kid that I care about. Right. Like, God, get over yourself. (laughs) Yeah. And then we get the lady is improving. And I, again, I just love a show within a show. And the fact that we got a whole number from another show within the show. Right. So good. Because this is the number that Dee Dee won a Tony for. Right. This was like, this is in the show that Tom saw her in for the first time. So it's very cute. Also, it's very fitting for what's going on. It is. It totally, I mean, obviously it was written for the prom. Right. Like in the real world, it was written for the prom, but so of course it meshes perfectly, but I think it's so clever. And I, again, I do really love this number. And I do think that Meryl Streep absolutely sings the bananas out of it. Oh yeah. It's really, really weird for me to have qualms with Meryl Streep's acting and not her singing because I think she has sort of a contemporary character voice, Mm -hmm. but it works for a lot of things. And I don't normally... Normally, it's, that's the thing that sticks out to me because I'm like, oh my God, she's a flawless actress. She understands every nuance. But I don't think she did here. Mm-mm. The acting like misses the mark for me, but but the singing really fits this like old Broadway bitty. Zing! Zing! <laughs> we said the thing! So it's weird for me, but yeah, I really love this number. Tom does accept her apology and then they go to apples and bees they get more apples and bees they go out again then we get to see emma meeting up with Alyssa. emma very obviously is very cold to Alyssa. she has a right to be very much so and it's like i was broken that hurt me so deeply and then you did not show up for me i was alone and scared and you abandoned me and then Alyssa sings the song about herself. Right. And we the relationship. sing the song Alyssa Green. Right. And the ferocity with which we launch into this oh. number. Woof. I mean. It's it's full speed, but it's really effective. Like it's very sudden, super abrupt, but that pacing is right on the money. She obviously, Miss Debose is just beyond she is. She's beyond. I'm, she's superhuman. She's incredible. It was great. She's also in Schmigadoon. Uh, she's very talented. <laughs> so during this number, she's talking about all of the things that how perfect she has to be. All of these different activities and things that she's always had to do since she was a kid. And how she can't let her mom down because her mom is like, if maybe if the two of us are picture perfect, your dad will come back. Right. Which what an awful thing to put on a child. Truly. Because also, Miss Green, it might not even be about you. No, I mean, families break up for a million reasons. And it doesn't mean that you necessarily did anything wrong. And even if he said that you did, that doesn't mean that you did. But also, don't put any of that shit on your children. Garbage. Go to therapy about it instead. At the end of this, Emma's like, I'm going to go public with my story Will you come with me? And Alyssa's like, I can't. And so they break up because of it. Which, It's again, a good reason to break up. Excellent. I mean, genuinely. And also, like, 
you can't push someone to come out when they're not ready. No. And that's the hard part about it is like, you can't force someone to come out because they're in love, but also you can't stay in a relationship where you have to hide who you are just because you're in love. Right. That's a, such a hard line to walk, but like, it's the truth. And an important thing for people in general, but especially young people to learn is that just because you break up does not mean that someone was bad or something, someone did something wrong. Not all people are meant for all people in every phase of their life. Exactly. Human people change and grow. And if you're really, really lucky, you might find people who grow with you and stay stay with you through all the phases of your life. But the odds that you're going to meet someone who is perfectly right for you through every stage of life is very, very rare. So it's okay to be in different places when you're with someone and also be in love with them, but know that you you can't be together in that moment. That's okay. It's healthy. It's normal. It's a human condition. Then we get the most banging mall scene. hey This number that Trent sings. Trent's oh, like, I'm going to go... I'm going to go speak to the kids and try and figure things out. So, I miss the mall so much. <laughs> uh, we need an Annie's pretzel. Oh my God. I would literally, I would literally, I would do despicable things to an innocent person for one of those pe- uh, pepperoni pizza pretzels mm. Ugh, and a Gloria Jean's coffee. Mm. Oh, fuck it up. <laughs> Trent reaches out to the kids with the cast of Godspell um, <laughs> and is like, hey, why are you such a shitbag? Let's talk about with, it. With like a smile on his face. <laughs> like, hey kids, did you know you're being shitty? <laughs> and if you're going to follow the Bible exactly the way it says. Let's not cherry pick. Let's not cherry pick. Let's talk about all the sins you've committed today. You and your parent would need to be stoned because you're no longer a virgin. <laughs> you, your parents, your mom would need to die because your parents are divorced. Like he, like. Do you have a tattoo? Straight to jail. Straight to jail. You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna burn in hell for eternity with but like a smile it. on his face. So they're singing "Love Thy Neighbor," right? Which is such a banging number. It is god tier musical theater. Uh, it's so good. I mean, we've got we've got hella dancing. We've got more money notes than I know what to do with. It's so good. So many shots that happen. Like there is this one where like it kind of he's singing about like you know God love thy neighbor whatever and and it pans up and the signs that are up above are like the signs directions to stores yeah but the the way that they hit it yeah they like line up lighting, to form like a cross and the lighting underneath looks like it's like shining down and you know there's things a, you can't do on stage like no, they really sell the this, crap out of this song there's this wonderful water fountain that does like all sorts of <laughs> choreo along with right, it. Right, the, the fountain is dancing with Andrew Rannells. People are doing backflips. They have and tambourines. They go all over. There's like colorful tambourines. Oh man. There's... It's everything. There's <sighs> like hip hop dancing. There's all sorts of everything they in this. They do it. This is, this is like... They did it. Top shelf musical theater. <laughs> they took their amp and turned it to 11. They found a 12, bitch. Whoo! Heyo. And during this, which is kind of like a, a joke that happens throughout, Trent is like, do you kids not have a drama department? It shows because of your lack of empathy. <laughs> yeah, it becomes like a running gag that they're always making reference to how they don't have a drama department. So from here, we find out that Dee Dee did in fact call her ex-husband. Yeah, she's decided to do something selfless. 
She gave up the house in the Hamptons specifically for Emma to go on the show. Emma appreciates the kind gesture, but she has decided to do it her own way. Dee Dee about attacks Emma. Nearly kills her. And then Emma and Barry go to some diner and discuss what she's thinking. And she decides that she is going to do more of like a YouTube video with a song that she wrote. And she wants to do an inclusive prom for anyone and everyone to come to. Right. And that's, it's not going to be a school sanctioned thing. It's something she's just going to figure out. But that's what she wants to do to create a prom for people like her. A safe space to celebrate. I've decided that someday I'm going to play Barry Glickman. It was somewhere in this scene and I I just nestled it in my heart and he's on my list of dream roles now. I'm going to play him and I'm going to win a fucking Tony and I'm going to shove it down James Corden's throat. If you play Barry, I have to play Dee Dee. Oh my God, I would love nothing more. I'm just saying. Oh my God, I want to hear your ladies improving so bad. Ladies, I'm proving. It's already brilliant. Look at how good that sounds. (laughs) Emma goes home and she creates the video. She sings Unruly Heart. Which, again, is is just... My heart. Oh my God, it's so good. It's beautiful. I cried. Impeccable musical theater. I sob every time. It's so sweet. And during this, not only do we see her making the video, but we watch other people watching her video. Right. This does what I think Dear Evan Hansen thought it did, but doesn't quite achieve. No. Where we get a myriad of of queer kids from like several different places, like chiming in and giving their opinion. Like we see, we see through musical theater kind of the reach and power of social media, which is something that as a live medium, we're often tentative to pursue or to include in our art form. But the truth of the matter is that the children will lead the way and we we do need these things. They are helpful. Look at the impact it can make. And it's so touching to see this community of queer kids coming together who like haven't met each other, but just like have a shared experience and, and relate and support one another. Absolutely stunning, stellar. I sob every time. Wrecked my heart. So what they decide to do, this video goes viral. The Broadway adults and the principal decide, we're going to throw this prom, we're going to figure it out, but since it can't be school, we need to like actually pay for the gym and we need to right. actually pay for these things. There's a dollar sign on this project. Right. Someone's got a pony up. And then everyone's like tossing in their cash and their cards and they're like, I'm almost broke, but take whatever I've take got. Take everything in my wallet. And then uh, they finally talk Dee Dee into just giving them... Her black card. Her black card <laughs> that has no limit is what that means. Charge it. <laughs> Charge it, mama. Cha-ching. Once these people exit, we find out D called Barry's mom and his mom is there. First of all, claps for Tracy Ullman. Love her to death. The mom apologizes and is like, I didn't know what to do, which is, again, why those social scripts that we were talking about before matter. Right. I'm so glad that we have this conversation on film. So many people have come out and had this conversation with their parents or their guardians, their loved ones, people that they look up to, and needing to face the reality that they are human. That these people that they grew up to idolize and really appreciate are just human. Human people who make mistakes and lose their way and don't always know what to do or say. It's a thing that 
most queer individuals need to face at some point. Usually far too early, in my opinion. When you hear the words that Barry is saying, they're correct. The writing is there. Barry's calling out his mom and is like, no, I was a kid. That was unfair. I needed parents who would love me. I didn't need you to say the right thing. I didn't need you to be perfect. I just needed you to be there. I needed you to love me and support me and say that we're going to figure this out together. Yeah. And you didn't. And you couldn't do that. The way that it was portrayed read to me as someone who heard this really sad, awful story about another person and was crying for that person. It's because it's not his story to tell. And Imagine if someone who had been through something like this had the chance to retell it, relive it, personalize their portrayal with that experience. Yeah. How much more could this ha- could this movie have meant that didn't happen? It didn't. And we also find out that his dad isn't ready yet either. Right. Which is another thing that a lot of people come to find out is that sometimes certain people will be more willing to grow and change and understand mm-hmm. and others will not. It's a hard reality to face, but it's real. We find Alyssa is watching Emma's video. Miss Green comes in and just is an absolute twat. Fully. She's like, why are you watching that trash? I don't understand. And Alyssa's like, mom, she's just like a kid trying to, you know, be a kid. Right. And her mom's like, you don't understand, you know, whatever. No, mom. No, mom, you don't understand. From here, we see them getting the gym ready for the prom. The adults finally tell Emma why they actually came. They're like, listen, this was a publicity stunt. Right. We did this for us. It wasn't for you. It wasn't to make things better. It was for us. Emma very graciously is like, that's true, but you're still here and you're still helping. Guess what? It wasn't for you. Ha ha. Uh Fucking gotcha. Gotcha, Gail. (laughs) And then Miss Green comes into the gym and starts freaking out because she's like, I'm I'm the person in charge of the PTA and we didn't. Why didn't you run this by us? You need the PTA's approval. We do not. Nope. We do not. These people rented the gym out as people from the community. This is a private event. No school money's in it. You can't do shit. And boy, howdy, is she mad. Well, she's very used to getting her way. I know. Then the other kids show up that Trent had been talking to and show up and are like, Emma, we were super wrong and we want to help with this. And she's like, wow, okay. Because at one point we find out that these kids had been friends with Emma before she came out. Right. They had been very close. And then Emma came out and they abandoned her. But they learned. They apologized and they're here. And that counts. That does count. Alyssa shows up and she kind of steps in and is like, Mom, you're wrong. You need to stop yelling. This isn't about you. You don't get it. And then she finally just turns to Emma and says, I love you, Emma Nolan. It gets so heavy. I sob through like the last 20 minutes of this movie. (laughs) And then Miss Green freaks out. Yeah. And is like, you don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're doing. She doesn't know that the two of them dated were dating for a year and a half. They've been hiding this for a year and a half. That is a long time to hide a good part of who you are when you are actively acting upon it in another facet of your life. And it's she, a lot to it's a lot to carry on a daily basis. It's it's a lot to carry and we get this 
this moment with the two of them that we also could have gotten with Barry and his mom. Mm-hmm. But in kind of like a opposite manner. Right. I think the scenes kind of mirror each other in that way. Where Alyssa, it's literally heart-wrenching to watch as her mom completely shuts down and is almost disgusted with her own daughter and leaves. Oh, shit. It gets me. All you have to do is love your kids unconditionally. I don't know why that's hard. Just love your kids, damn it. On a lighter note, right before this, (laughs) the kids are like, Trent, you're cool. You should become the drama teacher. Well, that's brilliant. I'll do that. And then the principal's like, you're hired. Like, Which that's is not, not how, that, how that process works. But no. like, but good for you, Trent. That's Super cute. excited for your new She's opportunity. Yeah. Great. Booked and blessed. Ah. Then it is prom night, baby. Oh, man. And we get this beautiful moment of everybody coming in and... And Barry gets to go to prom finally. And oh man, and we commit to that that color scheme. That color hard. just punches you in the face, <laughs> but in the most glamorous way possible. I love it. I mean, truly, the way that they like, obviously, this is not the gym. No. It's supposed to be. It's not. It's not that. Because <laughs> I'm like, I saw the decorations and tablecloths you were using before. I don't see it in a single inch of any of this room. Oh no, we went money. Maha nihi. Wow, that's a lot of H's. Yeah, what I tell So we get this prom. Kids come pouring in. Like once they open the doors, come pouring in from everywhere. From all over the state. And I gotta tell you, it just again, like now these are happy tears coming out. Oh my god, I it's know. It's a beautiful moment. You Absolutely see, sobbing. You see kids from all walks of life coming. They're all decked out. And I'm gonna say it, dressed better than the straight kids at their prom. Listen. Queer people understand fashion in a way that is subversive and inventive and innovative and new. From oppression comes innovation, happens every time, and we're, we're just going to outdress you. Sorry. Ha-cha-cha. <laughs> but yes, everyone does look incredibly phenomenal. They I love look, a prom scene. I especially love a queer prom scene. They look beautiful, and they, they look so elated. Joy. Just so much pure joy radiating from... Their heart place. It reminds me of, like, every time I walk through the gates at Pride Fest. Yep. And you just see people expressing themselves in any which way they please. And it's just joy. It's just joy. That's all it is. It's so good. I love it. It's beautiful. And then Miss Green shows up. During the prom. She's back. She's back. Also, Miss Ma'am did pull out a number that does kind of match the color scheme and is also... Fucking hell sequined every inch of it and i'm like that dress is so fucking pretty it's so pretty and i'm like you just happen to have us in back in the closet yeah just lying around this like gorgeous mm. stained glass sequin thing oh it's so good this is your easter dress <laughs> i just i need answers i need answers so she comes up to her daughter and Alyssa is very hesitant and worried as one should be exactly miss green tells Alyssa, you are my daughter We have some things to discuss and figure out, but I love you. Sobbing. Because you are my daughter. I'm getting glossy as I am saying it out loud. Oh my God. Just love your kids. And she says, okay. And then what do we get to round out this whole second half of this movie that's so beautiful? A kick-ass dance number. Oh my God. Bring it home, kids. They, ooh, they dance dance. They do dance dance. Oh, it's so good. They and kick it, it into high gear. Yeah. Oh my God. 
and they it, it builds and the the music builds and the choreography is building again this is like a really solid dance musical and the ensemble is in the back just like kicking it hard and it all kind of mounts up to this final moment as the music comes to a crest where Alyssa Green and Emma finally kiss and it is so tender and beautiful oh my and God. just precious i cry every single time this cast happens I cried both times I watched this movie. I cried when I saw it live. I cried when I saw it on Good Morning America. I cried when I saw it at the Macy's Day Parade. This kiss moves me to tears every single time. To be able to see it, like a teenage love story, a queer teenage love story that ends in a kiss, their love conquered so much. Oh, it's so good. Tears. So during the uh, credits, they have each actor like sitting in a prom throne when their name comes up during during the credit sequence. And they're all holding like a little sign that says they're high school superlative. <laughs> Some of them are really funny. Um, Tracy Ullman's in particular made me giggle, but I think it's so cute and funny. And what a fun way to end like a prom movie. Right. With little superlative, which right. if you don't know what that means, it's like, Oh, most likely to... Right, they're most likely to. It's like yeah. the thing that your your graduating class votes on. Sometimes it ends up in the in the yearbook. Um, we both won superlatives when we, when we were seniors. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. What was yours? I was voted the biggest sweetheart. Aww. Gay. Yeah, what about you? Um, I won best senior picture. Also gay. Remember that thing that we talked about in that one episode where you were like hot and mean and I'm... Really nice. <laughs> yeah. Kind of wrapped up in that. <laughs> kind yeah. of nailed it. Very, very on the uh, hammer meat nail. On brand, on brand. Right on the head. Um, I'm not sorry about it. No, you shouldn't be. That's Good. A ni- that's a nice part of me. <laughs> I'm not sorry, and that's the mean part of me, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's rate this bad boy. I'm having difficulty. I have a hard time because. I'm- I haven't I have a big issue with a lot of the casting. Yeah. A lot of it isn't necessarily like about the talent of it though. No. I just think some of it was misunderstood in Meryl Streep's case. I think that Nicole Kidman was too old. I think that James Corden was the wrong pick to tell this story. He especially sings well. It just He does sing well. They all sing well. Yeah. With Nicole well... Kidman does not sing well. But Meryl Streep does fine. And again, it's kind of the opposite problem because normally, like the thing that I have more issue with in roles is her voice, because it's it's unique. It's not always bad, but sometimes the the unique timbre of it puts me off. Just isn't your flavor, right? It's not it's not always right for every moment. I feel, but but I liked it here. I thought it was actually really appropriate for the character and and lended a lot to it. I just thought she missed the mark on some of the characterization. James Corden obviously was woefully miscast and should not have been a part of this project, especially in that capacity, especially because they expanded the role to be like yeah. a stronger queer narrative. Like that shouldn't have happened. No. So I have a hard time, but I do really like the movie and I do think it's a story that we should be telling. I have an internal conflict because I think that movie musicals are geared at a different audience than Broadway musicals. And so I have a hard time saying that they shouldn't have been here because I know that their names and their title draw brought people to this movie and isn't the narrative that they're sharing more important than who told the story. I don't know that it is in this case. Can you imagine if Titus would have played 
Barry. Oh my God, that would have been incredible. Because here's the deal. Barry needs to be one of those people who is kind of like full of themselves, narcissistic, but then opens up. Right. We have seen Titus play things like that oh before. Oh my God, he would have been perfect for this. Can you imagine how amazing top to bottom this film would have been if he would have been there? Titus, Kevin Chamberlain would have been a great choice to leave in the role. Yeah. I just, just pick a queer person who can sing. Broadway's fucking full of them. And I know you know that. Because there's like four or five voices in here who are directly from Broadway. So I don't want to hear it. No. I want to give it like... I want to give it like a three. That's what... No, I was literally thinking a three. It just swings hard in both directions, so I just want to middle the middle of the road on it. Okay, three it is. Well, let's give it the bitty test. The BD. The Binny Drake. Pass fail. Fail. A fail. Sorry. It's one of those things, again, that we had, I believe it was with Rock of Ages, where there are people, obviously, we have Broadway names in this. Yeah. They could do it. Who sing for days. Looking Tony at Tony award-winning voices. Yes. Looking at it, though, from the whole eight shows a week, can you push through this? No. 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 And truth be told, I, I really, it's a thorn in the side with this film is the fact that James Corden is here. And that's not to say it's hard because they I mean, all... Kevin could have switched. They all sing really well. Yeah. With the, with the exception of Nicole Kidman, I don't think she has a redeemable voice, even with auto-tune or characterization or whatever. Everyone else does a pretty surface, serviceable job, if not like a, like a really good job. Right. But I just can't pass it. No. No, it can't pass for me. I'm sorry. This is a fail. Knowing how many queer people were behind it and the legacy it had before, knowing that the Broadway cast was available and no one was included, it's a fail. Three and a fail. Shall we unwrap a fortune cookie? Let's get us a, let's get us a cookie. I need a snack. <sighs> Everyone does. What a downer. <sighs> Oh, all that anger and rage just makes me snackish. So our quote today is from Jasmine Guy, and she is an actress who she's been in Vampire Diaries and Grey's Anatomy and a handful of other live shows. Very talented black actress. Um, and she said, I don't care much who is gay or straight or married or not. I mostly notice if they are brave enough to confront bigotry. And amen to that, Sister Christian. Everyone should be brave enough to confront bigotry. And if you're not, then you should step out of the way for people who are. Or if you can, support them from the sidelines. That's acceptable too. Everyone has a place in the fight when it comes to tearing down oppressive systems. Yep. Unless you're Alyssa Green's mom. Then you should just sit all the way down and shut the fuck up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so where can they find us, Ben? Oh my goodness, kids. You can find us on Twitter at Backstage BDs. That's Backstage B as in Binny and D as in Drake S. Instagram at Backstage Biddies or email us at BackstageBiddies at gmail.com. If you rate us five stars and either comment or shoot us a tweet, email, any of those things, give us your recommendations and they'll be moved to the top of the list. If you rate us five stars, I will come to your house and um, bake you a cake or uh, something else decadent and lovely. How nice of you. You're very welcome. Are you turning a leaf? No. 
<laughs> Where can they find you? They can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Binny Biddy and on Twitter at Binny Ann No E. On the Twitter. On the Twitter. Where can they find you? The German accent unnerves me deeply. Well. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and TikTok at Drake underscore Leverance. That's Drake underscore L-E-W-E-R-E-N-Z as in zebra Drake underscore Leverance. We'll see you next Monday when we post another podcast episode. episode. <laughs> Remember kids, be kind and fight the systems. Stay pretty. Um, bye. bye. I'm gonna burp. Maybe I'm not. Are you gonna vomit? I might vomit. <gasps> Crazier things have happened here on the pod. Vomgate. <laughs> <laughs> We're both going to vomit on this table someday. I, one of these days. <laughs> oh, there she is. Should we give it the bitty test? Yes. Sorry, I was checking. Chamberlain is openly gay. Fantastic. I wanted to make sure that that was correct before. That's a good. Thank you for checking. Yeah. She raised my penis. I'm sure she did. She's really hot. I'm sorry. She's... <laughs>